Would you like to live a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Vetter as he introduces you to cultures of health and healing. Get ready now to try out some healing beliefs and practices from far and wide. Here's the host of your show, Robert Vetter. Hello, everybody. I am so lucky to be back once again with Dr. Leslie Korn. Today, we're going to hear a little bit more about um, her specific work, the teachings that she learned from the influential people in her life. So, Dr. Korn, welcome back. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much. So, can you tell us a little bit? In our last segment, we, we went on a journey with you across some of the, the highlights of your life, and we learned about your work in what you described as two jungles, the jungle of Mexico and the jungle that is Boston, Massachusetts, as well as uh, academia. We talked about the little, a little bit about this back and forth between academia and going into these indigenous communities. And I'm wondering now if you could kind of look back and tell us where you think the most influential parts of, of your understanding came from. Because you have a, a very interesting skill set that you use in the work that you do. I think the first major influence in my life was uh, a Chinese elder whom I met, whose name was Dr. Kuang Zhuang Ho. And uh, I arrived, I actually went to school at Washington University, and I arrived my first year and met him almost immediately. He was a, a very fascinating man at the time, I think he was probably about 70. And he had been, um, he had left China uh, as a young man uh, and traveled to France. He, his father had worked with Sun Yat-sen and had been part of the early revolutionary group. But he studied medicine in France and in particular he studied traditional Chinese medicine and was part of the evolution of acupuncture into auricular acupuncture. Uh, particularly as it was practiced by Nogier in, in France. The other thing about him, I studied philosophy with him, and he taught about the I Ching. And uh, I was very interested in the whole area of synchronicity, both from the Jungian point of view, who was also very influenced by Asian thinking, uh, but also synchronicity, as Dr. Ho talked taught about it, but he was also very political. Uh, Washington University at the time was a hotbed of radicalism. They had burned out the first ROTC uh, building uh, in 1970, right before I got there. And so for me, it was a very um, rich time of both uh, studying philosophy and Eastern wisdom and concepts of synchronicity and really changing some of the influences I'd had in my early education uh, at the same time that I was becoming very politically active. 
So we stayed in touch for many years. I, as I told you, I dropped out uh, my, my sophomore year and um, went to Mexico, but I continued to stay in touch with him. And I haven't, I haven't ever told anyone this story, but I think you of all people will appreciate it. I was starting to practice acupressure points in my little palapa and uh, just reading about it. And he and I had stayed in touch, you know, where I lived, mail took about three, three weeks to arrive, if it did. And uh, I was practicing these points. And one day I walked into the village and I saw an old, old lady uh, who was visiting and she looked just like Dr. Ho. She could have been his sister. And I went into really an immediately altered state of consciousness. And I knew that I was about to enter into something very profound. You know, I'd already been, let's face it, you know, when you live uh, on the water and you're doing yoga and fasting, you're already in an altered state. And I was exploring all these altered states and lucid dreaming. And I was very in influenced at the time by Jane Roberts and uh, Gurdjieff, uh, all of these kinds of influences of esoterica. So I went into this altered state. I introduced myself <clears throat> to this woman who was a woman of European descent, but was a spitting image of Dr. Ho. And not only that, was wearing the same Indian shirt I had in another color. So I um, asked her about herself, and she said, I practice and teach a form of Ayurvedic hands-on healing called polarity therapy, which involves pressure points and cranial sacral balancing. And I said, teach me. I want to learn. And um, so she then became, I think, perhaps my most important influence as a healer. And uh, I studied with her. And after studying, I then uh, really it began to integrate this approach into my work at the health clinic. And it became really my major form of healing uh, over really the first 10 years. And it was touching people and listening to their stories that made me then want to study psychology and understand how to help them, not just through touch and through healing energy, but through being able to converse with them therapeutically. And what about, um, what about in the academic world then when you came to study psychology? Were there any major influences there? No, I would say mostly trauma. <laughs> trauma taught you? <laughs> I would say, um, you know, the academic world, 
you know, when I, when I did my training in public health, it was in the days when um, biochemistry reigned supreme and I was interested in midwifery. So I was a bit of a fish out of water. Um, so let me just say I survived uh, my public health degree. When I trained in psychotherapy, I trained in very conventional uh, psychodynamic psychotherapy, and it allowed me to develop a critique of it. That was perhaps the benefit. Uh, my, fir my first major book, really my book that I love, Rhythms of Recovery, has a whole section on the taboo of touch in psychiatry, as it's really reflecting the taboo of, on, on the feminine. Uh, because touch is our first form of communication. It's the first language, and yet we privilege words over touch, particularly in medicine. And so um, I would say I was a survivor also at the medical school because I, again, was a fish out of water. And both the treatment that I saw, now that's not to say I didn't learn a great deal about treatment and post-trauma therapy. Uh, Dr. Judith Herman, while I never met her, at that time was at the same hospital, Cambridge Hospital, and she in many ways single-handedly reversed the, what had become the denial of the effects of traumatic events on both men and women's lives by writing her first book, Father Daughter Incest, and then followed by Trauma and Recovery. So while I didn't study with her directly, her work influenced me a great deal because I began to understand that I was treating mostly trauma survivors. I was treating people with intractable pain, depression, anxiety, sleep disorders, and general distress. And while we understand that now in the terms of you know, the adverse child experiences research and all that we know. This was really quite new then back in the 80s. It's kind of a new revelation because it had already been discussed. It had been recognized by Freud. It had been recognized by healers previously, but it hadn't been codified in such a way into the public domain of, of health and medicine. So I don't, I, other than that kind of intellectual influence and in naming concepts, I, I can't say that I had uh, any academic influences that have stayed with me because it was, it was painful uh, to survive academia. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> I completely agree. Um, so then can we go back to your, your teacher um, who taught you uh, polarity therapy for a moment? What was Yes, her, her name was Elizabeth Wagner. And the other thing that was quite synchronous is that we had the same birthdays. Mm -hmm. uh, we were 30 years apart. And so here she shows up looking just like Dr. Ho. She's got the same birthday. She's doing hands-on healing at the moment I'm beginning to learn it. She's wearing the same very unusual shirt that I have just in a different color. And I thought, destiny has arrived. This is meant to be. 
and uh, I began a mentorship uh, where I studied with her for, for, for a number of years. And what would you say that she, if you had to formulate something about what you learned from her, what, mm. how would you describe it? In other words, you know, there, there are the techniques that we learn, but there's a wider, there's a wider sense of understanding of how things fit together. So what did she yes. teach you in that way? And you're so right about that, Bob, because it wasn't about technique. While yeah. there was plenty of technique, and um, I really understood that and studied that with her, it was the nature of healing itself. She was a healer, and so she modeled for me the essence of healing. And the essence was connection empathy, compassion. Um, it wasn't that you necessarily didn't employ judicious use of confrontation or pushing back. The, and it fit perfectly with this model which came out of Ayurveda, which integrated a non-ideological approach. And I think that was central too, and it remains central in my work to not grab onto an ideology of healing or a belief system per se that li is limited. And in polarity therapy, it comes out of an, uh, really a syncretic approach to cranial sacral work as it was introduced by Sutherland and um, Ayurvedic concepts. And Dr. Stone, who developed it, uh, worked with the poorest of the poor in India, which is where he studied. Now it came out of and was very influenced not only by Ayurveda, but the Sikh religion, which was um, very, um, what we'd call very ideological. It was about veganism or, you know, pretty strict vegetarianism and um, not having sex or procreation. But I, I eschewed that. That wasn't what was of interest to me. What was of interest was the way that my teacher practiced. And you could practice in a very light way, or you could practice very deeply. And that was a philosophical approach, meaning when I say deep pressure, the kind of pressure that we think of today with soft tissue massage or um, rolfing and manipulating joints or very light rocking. And the influence there helped me really develop my own work as it was applied to mental health, because most of this work was applied to physical issues. But I was interested in exploring how we do this with people who've been traumatized and have both emotional distress and physical distress. And so um, it, it, she really taught me about the generosity involved in healing too. And that regardless of what we do, I think it's the nature of the healing relationship that undergirds whatever method we use. And I think the art is matching the right approach for the right person, regardless of the technique or the science. So Absolutely. she was a major, 
influence and a major gift to me. I'm curious about the work that you were doing there and you finding yourself in Mexico over the course of all this time, because what comes to my mind immediately when you start talking about trauma is the concept of susto. Mm -hmm. And I know, I'm sure that you come up, I don't know if I would say come up against it, but you come in contact with people who have it, believe they have it. Could you talk a little bit about susto and how that fits into your work? Sure. And you're right. I, uh, I, as you mentioned it, I think of a lovely young woman I worked with and the complexity of susto and meaning making and susto in modern medicine too, what we think of as what I'd rather call conventional approaches. A young woman from a neighboring village came to see me at the clinic and, um, we, had, we evolved this really interesting way of working at the clinic in which my local promotores colleagues um, did more conventional work, more what we think of as conventional medicine, and I did more the corandera work because it kind of turned everyone on their head. As you know, there's so much social pressure to relinquish traditional forms of healing, particularly among indigenous peoples. There's um, terribly, deeply ingrained colorism, Indianism in terms of oppression of being Indian and the pressure to relinquish into then modern or, or conventional approaches. And so we, had this fun way of working at the clinic where I, as an outsider, doctor, representing uh, all that was so-called so sought after by people, and yet I practiced curanderismo, I practiced natural forms of healing, whereas our clinic visitors' counterparts, local women in the village generally, they were the ones doing the conventional work. And it right away was a way to get people to rethink assumptions, number one. But number two, when, as you know, as an outsider coming into a place, you carry a great responsibility. And the responsibility, I think, in large part, is to reflect back the value that's being shown to you through respect and honoring of those methods. Not to introduce new methods but necessarily, but rather to reflect back the honoring of those methods and thereby making a small step in counteracting the social pressure that are in all indigenous communities to relinquish their own values. So that sets the scape for the landscape for um, this young woman that came to visit. She was the first person from her village of 40 people to go to the city, uh, to go to the university. And she was studying psychology. And during the course of her studies, she experienced a susto. She experienced susto. And she went to a city psychiatrist who wanted to put her on medication. She was on the verge of psychosis, what we'd call psychosis in, 
in conventional psychotherapy. And of course it didn't help because medications were not going to help whatever was going on with her. And, and they failed so terribly anyway, as a general rule in mental health. And so after several weeks of suffering with insomnia and, and psychotic symptoms, her father, she'd gone home finally to her village and her father came, they canoed over to where our clinic was and she came into the clinic and she, after she talked for a while and my, I was there with my comadres, Alicia and, and Veronica, I said, Senorita, I think you have susto. And she said, yes, that's what I'm experiencing. And I tried to tell the doctors, but he laughed at me and he wouldn't listen to me. And oh, that's exactly what happened. And then she proceed, proceeded to tell me what happened to her, where a man had exposed himself to her. And she was absolutely overwhelmed with fear and and what we call traumatized, what she called susto. And so I said, well, of course, we, we know how to help you if you'll let us help you. And um, she hadn't slept for days. And so we put her on the table and we rocked her, you know, one hand on the respiratory mechanism, the other on the sacred, the sacred bone and rocked, let her sleep. Afterwards, we suggested we had an herbal combination and it was really about understanding her language of what her experience was. But also she herself was in conflict because her whole uh, understanding was susto and her whole life had been understanding traditional forms of, of health and healing. But here she was a foot in the other world a foot over that margin where they're talking about psychology and psychiatry and go get some medication, which was part of her path too. And yet there was so much a lack of resonance for her. She was thrust into confusion on top of Susto. So it, it was a very profound connection that we all had as a clinic to as members of a group to support her. Uh, she stayed with us for several days while she slept, while she was able to eat again. Uh, and we were able to do some talking treatment with food and herbs. And then she went back to her village and then later on returned to school with the understanding that that was a model, but not the only model. That is an absolutely perfect story for us to end on because I think of that story as a metaphor for where we're going to be going in our third segment where we look at your life work, uh, which to me in just hearing this part of the story so far is this area where traditional medicine and Western psychotherapy uh, intersect. And I hope we can explore that and greater detail in our next session. So thank you so much, Dr. Korn. It's been a pleasure and we'll see you soon. Thank you. This has been Cultures of Health and Healing with Robert Fetter. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show and share it with others. 
Until next time, remember, your health and healing matter, and you can find your own unique path to optimum wellness.